Good morning, good morning, good morning, and welcome back to the Noodleberg Daily Huddle. So excited to be here with you guys today, and uh, excited to share, excited to share some energy, some content, some knowledge. We're going to talk about words and how words affect sales and business and your life, and uh, I, got, I got some news for you. So I got this thing. This thing is called the Whoop. Right. So you want to talk about competing and competing every single minute of your life. Jake and I and Gabby are already in a group text talking about whose strain is the highest, whose recovery is the highest. So you want to create a high achieving environment and culture, figure out a way to compete every second. The whoop is it. Do you uh, remember the Seinfeld episode when Kramer goes, I'm out? Yeah. <laughs> no, thank you. No, thank you. At, uh, uh... at my ripe age, I have just enough competition in my life. <laughs> competing with you morons will be ridiculous, man. Yeah. Very cool. Very <laughs> Jake nice. included Very... me in his boys group as well. So, like, yeah, he's living, a obviously. Yeah. He showed me the difference in sleep from the weeks to the during the week to the weekend, that's an alarming stat to look at, you know? Uh, we're having trouble with LinkedIn again, Shay. Yeah. Well, this it. happened yesterday and we were actually live. People were watching yeah. us and they were yeah, like, this so. should be a blooper reel. So let's just go. Don't even yeah. hesitate. We'll just keep Good. going with the show. Um, but yeah, so I think, you know, <laughs> the, the reason I'm doing it is because I feel like I've dialed in the diet and I'm working out really hard five, six times a week. I wanted to take it that next step, which is really quantifying everything, right? So now I'm figuring out how hard the workout is. I'm figuring out how much sleep I'm getting, what the quality of sleep I'm getting is. There's numbers that give me a real readout so that I know what I'm putting in my body, what I'm doing in my life, how it affects me, and how I can make adjustments to stay at an optimal performance level. You know, it's interesting that you bring that up because, you know, if you're willing to look at the scoreboard, you know, I mean, we're going to talk a little bit more about golf today, but golf at the end of the round, you got to turn in the scorecard, you know, and it, it says, it says what it is, you get graded. And unless you're starting with competing with yourself, there's no way you can compete with anybody else. So, so I love that simple metrics that if you can't say i'm doing this and here's what i did here's what the result was now i'll do a little bit more you don't even know i mean so blindly going into that stuff um crazy stuff good well, morning jeremy feel out of it yeah go ahead Correct. good morning jeremy i owe you a follow-up my apologies uh coming off the weekend i was still a little dull i was a little rough yesterday <laughs> after uh you know, I, uh, I just invested in 1942 is what happened. <laughs> I was like, holy shit. I love <laughs> it. Well, Shay, yeah. let's, let's, let's wake us up with some make, wake up music and then let's get going.
I got to do shout outs. I got to do shout outs. Shout out to Marco, who after listening to us is now throwing out his big neck and cheese sandwich. Just enjoy it, man. Just enjoy. Uh, you know, and shout that's... out to John Fairbrother, who uh, engages with all of our content, is consistently here and listening, giving us a shout out. John is a Cooper City alum, goes way back, Florida State, Knoll. Um, great to see you here, John. I appreciate you being here with us. So I have a shout out this morning. Um, never, never gets old getting a handwritten note in the mail. Uh, love the power stamp on the back, Mr. Gusky. Really nice job. And then I won't share the, the actual comments, but, you know, thank you, brother. Yeah, you know, that's awesome. From my heart, thank you. And uh, I'm glad you're along for the ride. And this is what it's all about, man, helping people do shit. So uh, that meant a lot to me. Think about who you could send a note to today. It's a simple act. It takes less than a minute. We talked about it last week, but he made my day. That's Thank awesome. You, yeah, that's really fantastic. And talking about um, you know it mattering and things that matter to you, we're going to talk about the Masters right now because we didn't get to really talk about it yesterday. Um, but uh, Hideki Matsuyama became the first Japanese player to ever win a golf major. Um, and he won the Masters, and there is a tweet, and we're we're always talking about moving on to the next thing, right? But here is Hideki in the Atlanta airport flying out, catching his flight, and you can see the green jacket draped over the chair. This is the ultimate, I could give a shit, moving on to the next one, celebrated the win for about five seconds, and now what's the next thing I have to do? That's an unbelievable image of enjoy the win and move on to the next one. So how many people you think were sitting next to him in the airport had no idea who he was, number one? Uh, everybody. Everybody, right. right? He's flying commercial after winning the Masters. I mean, yep. the guy is like an icon hero in Japan. He's going home to parades and all kinds of stuff. And he's just sitting there playing on his phone. And the fact that the jacket... He's not wearing it. It's not in a garment bag. It's like, <laughs> like he's not even you know, in his bag at all. There's, there's Somebody's going to spill some ketchup on it. Say, there's, <laughs> there's a little kid that's dropping his McDonald's fries on those. <laughs> so it's like, holy on, shit, you know, up, you know, and really so, bad. And shout out to Kim Swears, who's let, leading us to our next topic. But uh, 24 years ago, Tiger at 21 years old won the Masters for the first time. I want to show him winning so we can go back and enjoy that moment again and pull some nuggets out of what they're talking about. But now this putt to break the all-time record at the Masters. I can tell you this, Kenny. The depth of this kid's preparation for this stage, for this moment, just runs so deep. There's no doubt in my mind he's very aware of the significance of this putt in terms of the tournament scoring record. Well, I know one thing. I'm, I'm, I'm glad I was here to watch it. I know there's a lot of people feel the same way. I just enjoy watching great golf, and it means so much to see someone like this handle himself this way. And but hard to believe, 21 years old. This for the record. There it is, a win for the ages. 
There's his mom and dad. His father with that bypass operation six weeks ago, unable to be out on the course today, but he was there vicariously, step for step, with his son. Wow. So for those of you who, like, I, I wanted to show that again, because not everybody was watching golf back then, and even though you may know about Tiger and his greatness, you might not have seen that moment, but at 21 years old, winning the Masters with his dad watching after bypass surgery, that really catapulted him and sent him on a streak of majors and championships that led to his greatness. But I think what Jim Nance said in the very beginning of that was the depths of preparation that this kid has put in to get here is the ultimate line because that's the only thing that made him successful. Yes, he was talented. Yes, he had some raw ability, but he prepared for that moment from the time that he was five years old. Good and bad. See, you and I talk about this all the time. The cost, the raw cost of that preparedness was basically his human life. He gave up. Humanity. And the downfall. And that the downfall was, of him, right. the inability to know how to handle social situations and the things that led him down a different path because he reached a level of superstardom without having any real social structure in his life or any kind of social skills. He was all golf all the time, but without that, does he get to that moment at 21? Probably not. Probably not. I mean, it's interesting, you know, Jake called me and he said, hey, why don't we watch the Masters on Sunday? So for me, the Masters started at two o'clock. For him, he was like, what are you talking about, Dad? There's guys that teed off early in the morning. <laughs> yeah. I go, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not in. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> I wanted to see the guys. And then it was fascinating the that whole by whole how much things were changing you know and you know people are like oh this guy's a bum he choked are you fucking kidding me man They're on the biggest stage ever on a really hard course so you know and only relative. you and only you i think that's the best thing like golf and tennis i think are two sports where it's really you know it's you and the margin for error is so small like you're never really hitting your perfect golf shot you're never really hitting your perfect tennis stroke. You're really having the best miss that you can have to put it as well, close as you can and do the best you can do. So when you talk about great shots or great wins, you got to talk about the guy that came in second. He'll be forgotten, and I can't remember his name. You know, Jake posted in there. But, you know, he has that shot. Shay, who is it? Xander Shoffley. Right. He puts it in the water on a par three. Seriously? You Sick. know, like with, with, with the with the tournament on the line, he's right there. And well, hey, oh, and Jake brings up a great point. Can't even talk to your coach. Right. It's it. It's just you out there. At least when you're on the golf course, you tennis, have a caddy that you're going right. back with. Um, yeah. So when you're when you're on in that tennis match, it's just you competing and being locked in mentally. So some great stuff and some great stuff to talk about. That's going to carry over to today. But before we go any further, let's get to some morning motivational music. And then we're going to talk about some words.
So uh, I don't know even know who that group is. I've never heard that song. I don't even not know who group. that group is. What is it? It's who not is a it? group. It's Justin Timberlake. Oh, I didn't even Chris see Stapleton, it. With Chris Stapleton. Oh, okay. Chris Stapleton, I think is his last name, as oh, a nice. as the feature. And oh, yeah. That whole song, you can listen to that. For, I think it's a six-minute song. Well, so I was, in the gym, I was in the gym this morning, and wouldn't you know, let's get down to business, comes on the, you know, <laughs> at, at LA yeah. Fitness. They have, they have the video on. I'm going, oh, my God, I know this song. So I got corrected. Some of the corrections, yeah. yeah. Will yeah. Zalatoris came in second. Xander Shofley was playing with Hideki and pushing and – striving to get there but they were paired together so he was the second guy going into sunday but will zalatoris is is, the caddy he is the caddy from from happy gilmore and so much so that he owns it he owns that and he has hello mr gilmore i'm your caddy yeah engraved on his clubs so so hilarious story i'm gullible Uh, jake shares it with me and I go, wow, that's really cool. And he goes, Dad, are you an idiot? He wasn't even born yet. It was in the text, actually. And you said, for real? And I was like, oh. Because like, you know what? He looks just like him. It looks it's like identical. the guy grew up. It's unbelievable. That guy's going to be a player, though. That guy, you got to watch out for that guy. He was 23, his first Masters. Per- yeah, young, young buck that was out there, rookie on the yeah. tour. And is, yeah. uh, I mean, he's already had some success played really well in the open and that kind of gave him some confidence and obviously coming into the masters and playing well so one, well again is one really quick point see. though it's really nice that the peanut gallery was very quick to correct me so i, I love you that. know what <laughs> you can't accountability accountability partners <laughs> everyone not not in the huddle you gotta be right and you gotta, you gotta be gotta right, bring all the right the shit. <laughs> so the morning motivational music is our inspiration of the for the content today because today is National Scrabble Day. So for those of you who don't love playing Scrabble or don't play Scrabble, today's the day that you can celebrate with your people. But that had me thinking, you know, part of our mindset course is talking about what you say, not only internal dialogue, but the words you use. And we are always celebrating people who have great vocabularies. But I wanted to first talk about some words that we use in sales that have, have changed the game. and what we say and how we say it, some phrases that matter, some great questions to ask in sales, and then some of the worst things that you can possibly say in the office or in sales. But I want to start with the words that have really changed the game. And I think that virtual coffee was the game changer, I don't know, how what, four years ago, three years ago yeah. that you started using virtual coffee when Zoom happened and before any of the pandemic happened. But using virtual coffee as a 15 minute qualifier meeting to or visit to do nothing other than build rapport and trust with somebody to figure out whether or not you like somebody. Yeah, I mean, you know, I was always looking, I always valued the words and what you say has a lot of impact. People listen to what words you use and how, you know, what your vocabulary is like. That particular thing was, nobody was using the word virtual back then. I used to have a list, 50 cups of coffee. And I said, this is insane to have to physically go do that when I would share with people. I go, you ever go on a first coffee meeting and like before you even walk in, you go, it's a dud. It's not going to happen. You know, and then people would go, well, that's exactly what happens in Tinder. I was like, listen, I don't date, but 
you know, oh my God, that's not the person I thought I was meeting. So virtual coffee is a safe place for both people to share what they have in common if they have something in common. So uh, I, lo I love that one. Yeah, it's a complete game changer and it makes you more efficient. It makes you more effective. It allows you to meet people at scale. You take out the driving, you take out all of the cost that goes along with that. But I think the next thing, the next word that is really appropriate is visit. Because a lot of people talk about selling meetings in the first call, you know, like all you're trying to do is set up a meeting, but really, especially after the pandemic, where everybody has pushed, been pushed to these virtual meetings nonstop, nobody wants another meeting, right? So using it as a visit, because you visit with friends, you visit with family, it changes the way somebody views the interaction that you're going to have with them. I mean, as I travel, when I published the book and that chapter, it's all about the words. You know, that was a significant shift in behavior. Remember, we talked about behavior, not outcomes. So if you change your behavior, you get better outcomes, hopefully. And that one was something that people could leave my workshop, could leave my speeches, whatever, and go right back to that behavior and say, hey, I'm going to be in the neighborhood. You know, I'd like to stop by and visit. Boom whole different, you know why? Because nobody brings brochures to a visit. It just doesn't happen. Well, it's disarming. It's disarming. When you ask somebody for a meeting, there's all of this mental expectation of, I got to be prepared. What are they going to try to sell me? What are we going to talk about here? When you talk about just stop popping in to visit somebody or, hey, I'm going to be around. Would you mind? Do you have 15 minutes for us to visit with each other? Visiting is disarming and endearing in a way where you visit with a friend and you catch up, you share stories, talk about what's happening in each other's lives. So it changes the expectation and the perception of what you're asking for. Love it. The next, the next word is fit, which I think is a complete game changer because in a world of leverage and in football, we used to talk about leverage all the time. Low man always won, right? Because the low man always had the leverage. And if you had leverage, you could win the struggle of two guys pushing against each other. At using the word fit changes the leverage in sales. I think instead of pushing the boulder up and trying to figure out how to get somebody to do something, as soon as you say, well, I'm just trying to see whether or not we're a fit, that immediately begs the question in somebody's mind, well, why wouldn't I be a fit? Why, why, why would I be any different than anybody else? And so now you've created some exclusivity around who you are, what you represent, what you do? Well, understanding the game as you did understand football, understanding the sales game, I know going in, I'm not going to be a fit for everybody. So why do you hide that? Part of the problem with salespeople, and we're going to talk about it tomorrow, is they hang on to people for way too long. You know, it's like, listen, man, we're not a fit. It's okay. We could still have a beer after yep. five o'clock. But we're not a fit. I don't belong doing business with you and vice versa. And so when you absolutely, and you know, um, Andy Feldman talks about it as a takeaway, that's still game playing in my mind. You know, it's not really a takeaway. It's a statement of fact that here's what right. I do. Doesn't mean that I'm right for you. I only need to be right three out of every 10 times. More than likely, you're one of the seven. So that changes the dance. And I always used in my stage pre you know, presentations, Fred Astaire. Fred Astaire led the dance with Ginger Rogers. There's only one leader of the yep. dance. And there's plenty of women I've yep. danced with that 
try to lead, but you know, there's only one leader. So, and, and there's another word in here. There's another saying in here that I want to, I want to talk to Lori about it because she says in fundraising, in the fundraising world, everyone you want to visit with thinks that you want to ask them for money. You could pre-qualify that with an upfront contract saying, I just want to visit with you to share stories. I want to see if we can get along with each other. And then this leads to the next word. I have to say this because it leads right into what you're talking about. And this is dead on with Lori. When I position it as we might be able to help each other, maybe there's someone I can introduce you to for your business. Well, now all of a sudden the playing is, you know, the playing field is even we're there for each other, not me to pitch you. So that's the old school mentality. And if you can break that down with the third word, go for it. Which is value. How can I bring value to your world? I'd like to visit with you to see if we're a fit and see if there's some way that I could deliver value into your life, which goes back to what we talked about yesterday, which the number one quality is to genuinely want to help everybody that you can. If you live that number one quality, then you're genuinely asking everybody that you know, how can I deliver value to you somehow, some way? You know, so ultimately, you know, when we talk about the, the business development profession, it's all about an exchange of value. You're never going to sell somebody that is not looking to solve a problem. Never. So your value proposition, if it matches up to what their problem is, you have it made. It's interesting because I had a great dialogue yesterday with the CEO, really cool organization, growing, cool office, really good stuff. And he was said, saying, I really need to find a sales guy. And I was, he was going on and on and on. And I said, I'm going to disagree with you. And he goes, really? And I go, yeah, straight out. He goes, wow, I like that. I go, I don't, I think that thing is dead. Do you want a sales guy representing your brand out there trying to bang people on the head? Or do you want somebody who's a connector and could put people together so that the spin the bottle spins back at them? And he's like, I would like to discuss that further. That's an interesting concept, leveraging the people you know, how you know them and all that kind of stuff. That's what biz dev is, you know, so I'm so glad you focused on that chapter of the book because it's one of the most simple executions. And when you would teach kids, you would say, just do this step. Bing, bing. It's, it's a very simple. simple. Right. It's not major. It's, it's not buzzwords and theories. Yes. Correct. And we'll go to overtime. Good Great stuff. job, Shay, because I want to talk about this last word that I think really matters, and it's the word why. Because <laughs> when you talk to people about being a fit, that suggests that it's a consultative approach. In order for it to be truly consultative, you have to genuinely ask questions and be genuinely curious about how somebody's business works, about the problems that they have, and help them problem solve together, not for them. I'm not solving a problem for you. I'm gonna help you solve the problem in your business. And the only way you can do that is by asking why over and over and over. But I think there's a theory called the five whys that people get caught up in just saying, oh, well, I just ask why again. I just ask why again, bullshit. You have to be an active listener and listen to the answers that you get, which inform 
the, the, the way you ask the next why, which leads you to the root of people's problems. Yeah, I, I think, you know, all of this, when you want to be consultative, part of it, I think I've changed my expectation over the years to just know I'm not going to be a fit and I'm surprised and happy when we are. I'm willing to go down the road because even yesterday, the, he knew I was not pushing. He was trying to sell himself. Right. He was saying, hey, you know, I'm not sure where the fit is. I go, great. You know, he used the word. It was great. He was like yeah. saying, I'm enjoying hanging with you. Can you come back? Yeah, let's come back. Let's talk further. Let's break this thing down. You know, the one, you know, hang him on the head, uh, Glenn Gary leads. You know, that's where this is wrong. This is, you know, the right. expectation that someone can out, come out there and out muscle and out bully people into making a sale just crushes your business. So uh, look at the it's more finesse. People are writing it's, books here, man. Look at this. <laughs> it, it's not, it's not, it's, it's really a finesse game and the finesse of, of being great, great in the conversation and be great in asking questions and finding ways to deliver value initially. And then with your follow-ups, so there were some more things. There's some great questions to ask. I'll um, talk there's to some it of tomorrow. the most cringeworthy phrases that we can talk about tomorrow so we can carry, carry this over. Them. So we will carry the conversation over to tomorrow on Wisdom Wednesday, which will be about questions and some cringeworthy phrases. But it's all about the words you use. Make sure you say something. But most of all, let's get to down to business. Please don't worry about me. I'm about to let my heart speak My friends keep telling me to leave this So let's get down, let's get down to business Let's get down, let's get down to business Give you one more night, one more night to get this We've had a million, million nights just like this